Well, we've, um, Pastor Earl mentioned that we have some folks traveling, and one of those is my wife. Uh, she's been in Nashville for four days. She comes home tonight. I am thrilled that she's coming home. Um, and ladies that have, you know, that stay at home with your kids, wow, you do a lot. <laughs> you do a lot. So, you know, kudos to you for everything that you do. That is a tough job. Even guys that stay home with their kids, that is a tough job. It's a lot of work. Um, but so I did something of strategic importance, and I thought, you know, it might not be a great idea for me to preach this Sunday because my wife's gone, and, and you know, typically Thursday's the writing day, and she left Thursday morning, and so I thought, you know what, my, I got a good friend who is planting a church who would fit perfectly into this series called Hearing God that we've been on. Oh, actually, before we do this, before I get into the intro, I told him I was going to do this, uh, Bibles. If anybody needs a Bible... Raise your hand. We've got people in the back that will bring you Bibles. You could take this Bible home and frame it if you want. Don't do that. Read it. Uh, take the Bible home. It's yours. If you need to give it away to somebody, give it away to somebody. But we simply want to have Bibles available for you. Um, and if you know somebody, maybe there's somebody at work you've been praying for. You just want to hand them a Bible. This one could be it. Um, so, so we got those for you. Uh, but my friend, Pastor Jeremy Robinson, has been in the Wesleyan Church a number of years. He's, you know, it's funny, maybe he'll tell a little bit more of his story, but he's actually been uh, a pastor his entire life. He, I mean, really, what, 20, not 20 years, 17 years? I mean, he's been in full-time ministry. He has no other marketable skills, is what I'm trying to say. The, the man only knows how to speak out of the Bible, and it's a tremendous pleasure that we get to have him. And he's going to tell us a little bit more about his story. Would you please welcome Pastor Jeremy Robertson? The, f- the first thing I thought of, Dave's just figuring out how hard it is for you moms. I think he's got a rough road ahead of him. It is a difficult job. And yes, this is, I don't have any other skills. It, it is true. Um, and this one is iffy at best. Um, you know, this is, everyone say, come on. I'm not a frozen chosen guy. Everyone say, come on. There we go. Everyone say, let's go. Those are all acceptable as we get going through this. If God says something, you can say it out. It doesn't, doesn't bother me. You know, this is, something that, uh, this is something that has been put on my heart that God has been, I am currently in the midst of a stirring. I'm in the midst of a stirring that has come from the Holy Spirit, though it's been in my life most of the time. Now it's, it's in a place where it is constant because God has put me in a place, in a position where I need to listen and hear his voice. We realize sometimes it's hard to hear God's voice unless we're put into a place or a position or a time where it draws us away from what we were doing so that he can get us to what he wants us to do. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 4. If you want to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4, you might remember Matthew 4, the first uh, verses 1 through 11. It talks, it's it's when Jesus was sent by the Spirit into the desert. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights. He was spending time with the Father. It was then that Satan came and began to prey on God, on Jesus, and trying to say, hey, why don't you prove yourself, Jesus? Why don't you take away these things that I am pressing upon you? And we read in Scripture, and we see Jesus responds in a way with power and action. Why? Because he spent time with the Father, and because he spent time with the Father, 
How do we know that? He fasted 40 days and 40 nights. There was something serious on the men. The enemy knew it. What was about to take place. And so Satan comes to tempt. Jesus hears God's voice. And how does Jesus respond, church family? He responds back to him with what? The word of God, right? He he begins to respond with power, with action. And he speaks back the word of God. We see that. Action and power. And in this text, we also learn, when it comes to temptation, how to face it. When Satan comes and the enemy brings it our way, what do we learn? We learn that by simply knowing the word of God, I mean knowing it, living it out, leaning on God's word so much so that it's not just a part of our, of our lives, but the word of God dwells deep. Think about that word uh, picture there. Everyone say deep. It's about dwelling deep in the word of God in our lives and hearts. And if, everyone say if. If we allow God's word to dwell deep in our lives, oftentimes it's in those moments. Listen. It's in those moments that our understanding of God will be strengthened. And in return, we will then be able to hear the voice of God speak more clearly to the mission he has on our lives, on your life. Not our lives as a church globally, yes, but your life as an individual, as a Christian. If you're not yet here and you've not made a profession of the faith, if you've not given your heart over to the Lord, this is for you too. This is for you too. In other words, you will know and believe you have everything you need with the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to overcome, reject, and say no to every temptation that will come your way through Listening and hearing the word of God. Temptation's plan is what? It's to draw you and I away from an intimate union with the Lord. To distract you and I from being able to hear his voice speak. And like Jesus, look at with me in uh, Matthew chapter 4. Look at verse 11. And then we'll jump into the text here in a bit. 12 through 22. Look at, look at Jesus' response to the Satan after he's been tempted. He continues to respond with the word of God. In verse 11, it says, what happened when he resisted? It says, then what? The devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. He responded with power. He had spent time with God. He heard the Father's voice. He then was able to say, get behind me, and if you will. You can't tempt me. I'm not going to do what you say. I'm going to do what the Father has spoken to my life. And then it says, what happened? Then angels came alongside of him and ministered. How many of you need an angel around in this room, right? It's just hard to live this life alone. It's hard. It's difficult. We're to be on mission. We're going to talk about that, what that means. But to do it alone? Come on. I can't. I fail too often in and of my own strength. I need to resist the devil, James 4.10, and then what? He will flee from me. Then in that moment when I've made that action through the power of the Holy Spirit in my life, listening to God speak, then the Lord says, I want to walk alongside you. I'm going to minister to you so that you can continue to walk according to, your, to the Spirit of the Lord, to the Word of God in obedience. Then verse 12, so now it's, he's just resisted temptation. Now verse 12, you can read with me. And it says, when Jesus, it says, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he went to Galilee. It's this, this lake, if you will, of Galilee. Some of you I saw had recently gone to Jerusalem here in, in Israel, and, 
And then verse 13, it says, And then leaving Nazareth, Jesus leaving his home, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which was by the sea. Capernaum was right there along the coast of the Sea of Galilee. What I like about this is Jesus likes to chill by the beach. He likes it. That's one reason I love the Lord. He's a coast guy, right? Verse 13. This place was called what? Zebulun and Naphtali. Don't know if I'm saying it right. Don't care. Moving on. Now, we see a quotation from the, uh, from the prophet from the book of Isaiah, verses 15 and 16. Let's read it. Verse 15 says, the, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region of the shadow of death, light has dawned. This area, this area to the north, uh, Zebulun, Naphtali, was such a dark spot. That, that there was, they, were always, they were continuing to be overwhelmed and defeated by the area to the north of them. The nations would come and they would invade Egypt and try to push them into the south. Then they would try to work their way south into Jerusalem if they could. These people, listen, they were getting beat up. They were being destroyed. They were discouraged on a regular basis. This place was oppressed. It was in bondage, in major debt spiritually. This was a place of idolatry where worship of the golden calf was taking place in a city called Dan, which was right there by Capernaum. And let me say this, this dark place, this place of bondage, this place of brokenness, that's exactly where Jesus decided the people who were lost, the people who were discouraged, the people who were confused. Jesus says, that's the place I want to go. And let me say this to some of us here this morning. And if it's not now, it will be. You may feel like you're in a dark place in your life right now. You may feel like there, it seems like there's no way out. You're getting beat up in life and, and, and hit from every side. You're confused. No one's here to help you right now. And you can't hear his voice right now. You just, God, I want to hear you, but I can't hear you, and it's been a long time. Let me say this. You're exactly the person Jesus makes his way to first. You're the person Jesus makes his way to first. He went there in a place that sat in darkness. This is where Jesus set up his office space, took time. Then what do we see? What did Jesus do next? Verse 17. It says, from that time, Jesus began to preach to, and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He just destroyed temptation. He ejected it. Now he's going down and, and, and he's walking into this dark place and he begins to speak a word that we all have a problem with. Repent. He says, it's time for you guys to listen. You need Turn away. Remember, this place was a place of darkness, confusion, idolatry, oppression, sin. Sound like today? Sound like our lives? Jesus went there and he says, listen, repent. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. We need to keep in mind the scripture speaks about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God is his rule over everything in all of eternity. The kingdom of heaven is when heaven comes to earth. The scriptures call this, as Dave's talking about uh, reading Revelation, the millennial kingdom. Where Jesus comes back and brings back all those who are dwelling in heaven with him. And reestablishes his kingdom on earth. Where we will all worship 
and serve and rule and reign with Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus says, repent. Turn because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Don't wait any longer. Too many people are waiting. And then he says, we're all, including Jews, if they would accept him, including us, for those of us who would put our faith and our trust and our hope in Christ the King, we will spend that time with the Lord after his second coming. And then Jesus, he, he, he speaks that up and he says, repent. He says, it's for you. If you would let me into your life, if you would let me into your heart, do you hear me? Do you hear me? Now, some of us are saying, well, I've made a decision for the Lord. I understand. Many of us in this room have been walking with Christ a long time. But do our lives truly reflect the change? Do our lives truly reflect the mission that God has set forth for you and for me in this room? For you and for me in this room. Verse 18 Verse 19, look what happens now. He's continuing on this journey. He's in this place. Repent. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he goes and he runs into a few guys. A few guys. We've read this before. Look at verse 18 and 19. It says, And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. We see these guys, they're doing what they do daily, like many of us, right? We go to, we wake up, we go to work, we wake up, we take care of our kids, we go to, we prepare breakfast, we change the diapers, we, you can tell what my schedule is, I have three kids, seven, five, and two. Um, and, and, you know, we go through the routine, we continue to do what we have to do to survive, to provide, to give away. These guys are doing the same thing, they're fishing. This is what they do. They're out on the sea, Jesus approaches them at their vocation, And he says, listen, guys, here's what I want to call you to do. He says, follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. Jesus was not a new person to them. They were acquainted with him already, according to John 1. But they are now being called out by Jesus to leave their nets, to leave all they have, to follow him, and to become a fisher of men. To become a fisher of men. Andrew here in the text is the brother of Peter. He was, this dude was always bringing people to Jesus. Andrew, it was his mission. It was his heart's desire. It's to see those who were in a dark place, those who were confused, those who were struggling, to see them come into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You remember the little boy who helped feed the 5,000 by bringing the five loaves of bread and fish to Jesus? Guess who he was brought to, to Jesus by? By Andrew. Andrew had a heart and a mind for reaching people. Always looking for a way to find people and say, listen, you need Christ in your life. Peter, guy was an incredible fisher of men. Remember the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2? Preaching with boldness, the power of the Holy Spirit. It's this epi, it's called, the epi in the Greek is the overflowing of the Holy Spirit in one's life the Bible talks about. Peter was overflowing with the Holy Spirit. He was preaching with boldness. His life was transformed. And and it says that brought 3,000 people in that moment to a relationship with Jesus. Well, I can't do that. 
You, you are kidding yourself. You can't do that. I, that's the one thing we think. Man, I am not influential enough. Man, I can't speak well enough. I can relate. I can't do these things well enough. And Jesus says, no, you don't have to do these things well enough because who is the power that is in and within you? It is me, the Holy Spirit, Christ the Lord. Can I get an amen from the church? You can and you can do it. Peter believed it. He did it. And we read that he brought, there was 3,000 who were brought to a relationship with the Lord. He continues. He, Jesus is like, I'm not going to stop. There are too many more people that need to be walking with me. Verse 21, look at it. He continues his journey in verse 21. And we're told that he comes across James and John, the son of Zebedee, and they were with their father, Zebedee, themselves. Verse 21. It says, going from there, he saw two other brothers, James and the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. And they were in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them, and, he, and it says, they immediately left the boat and their father to follow him. They were getting their nets prepared for a long day's work, fishing their livelihood. As we saw Andrew and Peter, and he calls them out, and it says back, as we read, it says, they follow, he says, follow me. And I will make you a fisher of men. Follow me. And I will show you the great calling I have for your life. The calling I have in store for you. As a Christian, as a follower of my love, he says, follow me. In verse 20 and 22, what's the response? It says, they immediately. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that's crazy. As my wife would say, that is bananagrams. They immediately left everything. You want to talk about risk? You want to talk about craziness? It just does not make sense in the way that we think as the culture today. It says they immediately left their nets, their boat, and their father Zebedee to go and what? Follow Jesus. To follow Jesus. It reminded me of a story when I was thinking about following something. It reminded me of a story. I was in Maui a couple years ago. We went and celebrated our anniversary. And, and uh, as we were in Maui, uh, we were on our way and we had snorkeling planned. Anyone ever been to like one of the islands or something like that? Anyone do snorkeling over there? Well, we were flying and we had snorkeling the next day at, um, what's that one? Thank you. Um, I, I can't remember which one it was. Is the big, doesn't matter. Moving on. Okay. Uh, so we were there snorkeling in this place, and as we were going, we had, this was the season of time, when, remember when you heard about all the shark attacks? It was, it was just a couple years ago, I mean, there was shark attack after shark attack. We were flying in, we were going to snorkel the next day, and a lady just got bit and died exactly where we're going to snorkel like two days before. So we're going and we're, ta- we're having this conversation. Should we do it? Should we don't? You know, you start getting a little bit of fear when you start hearing that it's warm and these things are taking place. We said, you know what? Let's stick together. Let's just stick together. And if we stay together, we're going to be just fine. So we go out in the water and it's a beautiful day. We're going out there and we're snorkeling. And all of a sudden I hear shark. And I just take off. I literally just go. I am going for this shark. I am swimming, and I'm I'm looking for it. I get it, and then all of a sudden, I look down, and I took a picture of it. Look at what I followed. Look at this little baby thing. It's my wife. I left my wife in the middle of the ocean, as far as she knows, to die so that I can go chase after a shark. She goes, if you were going to follow something, at least it could have been something like massive, like a great white or something, right? Something you can brag about, but she goes, you left me for that. (laughs) 
You followed that and you left me alone? What about the calling of God on your life to be willing to leave all behind for the sake of following Jesus? It is no small decision. Yet these guys didn't give it a second thought to anything, anyone else or anything, but to fulfill the calling that God had placed on their life. These guys heard Jesus call them out. They listened and they followed. You know, that's exactly where God has me right now in my life. You know, as Dave said, I've been doing full-time ministry a long time. God got a hold of me really early. I started my, full, my first full-time pastoral job when I was actually 17 years old. And, and, and I began to do that, and um, uh, it's, it's been a crazy journey. What I'm about to tell you has been something that has been 17 years in the preparation, was given to me directly 11 years ago when I was pastoring in St. Louis to help restart a church out there. Then came to fruition seven months ago when it began, my life began to get a bit of a struggle. And then clarity came just two months ago of what I was supposed to do. And what I was supposed to do was something that I had no desire to do. It started two months ago, three months ago. God began to speak the word risk into my life. All I heard, all I heard Everywhere, every conversation, you ever you have those moments where God just like starts hammering you, like, really, God? Like, seriously, I don't want to hear this right now. And God just kept speaking the word risk into my life. Risk, 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 risk. I was like, Lord, whenever you say risk, this is never gonna be a good thing. I've read the Bible. I know what it means. And so I'm freaking out. And he continues to speak the word risk, and I'm like, oh man, Lord. And so I Two weeks pass, and I'm at a, a service during a, our Saturday night service where I uh, currently am um, pastoring. And, uh, and all of a sudden, there's this song that comes on, and it's a song that says, If you say go, I'll go. If you say stay, I'll stay. See, I've got to tell you, and let me back up a bit. Over these years, over the last year, God has been stirring something in my life and in my heart that I couldn't explain. I knew it was something greater than what I really wanted to do, and there's some, a greater calling that God was pushing me out to. I just couldn't see it quite yet. I just I wasn't there quite yet. And as he began to speak this word risk into my life, and it was being spoken to me everywhere, I hear this song, and it was almost instantly as I hear this song saying, if you say go, that God says, it's time for you to go. I'm like, go where? I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. God says, it's time for you to go. I was like, yeah, you tell my wife that, Lord. I go home that night and said, Teresa, my wife's my hero. Let me just plug that. I'll cry if I think about it. I'm all overly emotional in these days, too. I said, Teresa, I just want to tell you what I think God's telling me to do. I think God's telling me to go and leave where I'm currently at. And to do what? I'm not quite sure. I actually don't know. I go to bed. It's, it's 9 p.m., 10 p.m., 11 p.m., 12 a.m., 1 a.m. I can't sleep. I'm just tossing and turning. and like, Lord, what do you want to say? It's 3 o'clock now. God says, listen, I want you to go downstairs. In my house, uh, we, uh, we currently moved, uh, recently moved, but where I was just uh, last week, um, there, uh, if you turn on a light, though, like my son wakes out, I don't know if any of you uh, have kids like this or you're like this, at the drop of like a little light, he's up and it's like done, and then everyone's crying and screaming and snow cones for everybody. Um, <laughs> 
it, it, you know, and so God, I was like, Lord, I can't go downstairs. He's, I, I was like, but I need to know what you're saying. I need to know what you want for my life. Ever been there? God, what are you trying to do in and through my life and heart? I says, go downstairs. I'm like, God, I can't turn on the light. I, I'm literally having this conversation out loud with the Lord. He goes, go downstairs, go to the kitchen, chase has a little writing pin. And on the back of this writing pin in this little cubby, go into that cubby, pull the pin out, and there's a small flashlight on the back of it. Okay, Lord. You know, like, I'm literally doing this, and I go, and there's this pin. I didn't see it before. I didn't know it was there. God directed and stirred my heart because I was hearing his voice. I go, and God says, now I want you to read 2 Kings chapter 1 through 5. You remember the story. It's when Elisha and Elijah... Elijah wanted what Elisha had, which was a double portion of the Holy Spirit. Elisha's like, Elijah, I want what you have. How can I get what you have? And Elisha's like, listen, there's only one way you're going to get what I have, and that's if you see me go up in a whirlwind or tornado, if you will. And if you see me go up in this tornado, it's then that you will get a double portion of the Holy Spirit. But if you don't see it, guess what? You're out of luck. You're not going to get a double portion of the Holy Spirit. As the story reads... And is told, and I believe, Elisha sees Elijah go up into heaven. He immediately receives a double portion of the Holy Spirit. And then God begins to speak into his life in a way. And then from there, now God says, now I've, I just finished chapter 5, says, and God says, now I want you to turn to the back of your Bible. Remember, this is 3.30 in the morning. So I turn to the back of my Bible, and there's a vision that God gave to me 11 years ago that has been sitting in this Bible that I've been waiting for the Lord to reveal what it meant. It wasn't until this moment, after so many years, that God began to reveal what this meant to me in my life. I want to read it to you. It's a powerful moment of my life and what it means. Again, this is 2005, so the illustration, you'll, you'll recognize the illustration from 2005. My prayer, I got this while I was pastoring in St. Louis, seeking after the Lord, God said, hold on to this, and this was my prayer. I literally prayed, and then I got an email with these, direct, these exact words that I prayed in my prayer out of nowhere, and my prayer was that I could see what others cannot see. God says, now turn to the back of your Bible, and it starts with 2 Kings chapter 6. I had just finished reading chapter 1 through 5, and the title of this is called Seeing What Others Cannot See. Remember, I haven't looked at this in forever, and it says this. It says, and Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes. Remember, they were being attacked. The servant goes, we're going to die. What are you going to do, Elisha? Elisha's like, what are you talking about? Dude, we're good, bro. He's like, I don't see this. He says, close your eyes. Let me pray. He prays. And immediately we're told that the, the servant's eyes were opened to see what he could not see before, which were chariots of fire and the army of God surrounding them. Even though they're being attacked, he says, we are good because God is on our side and God will protect us. So that's what it says, and it says, several years ago, a movie was made called Field of Dreams. The story is about a man who had a vision to build a baseball field in the middle of the cornfield of his rural farm. He did not know why, he, he, he just knew he was to do it. <laughs> to the target of his neighbors, he built a baseball diamond in the farm community. One night, some players showed up. The man realized these were no ordinary players, but were actually the great players from the past. When the skeptical neighbors came to view this phenomenon, they were unable to see what the farm owner could see. This made it even worse. Now he was really a lunatic in their eyes. This fictitious story has a spiritual application for us. First, if God tells you to build a ball field, we should do it. It's not for us to determine the reason we are instructed to do it. 
<laughs> risk. It, it, it is for us, it is not for us to determine the reason we are instructed to do it. Once we are obedient, step of faith, once you are obedient, God will allow us to see what others cannot see. It is the rite of passage for those who are willing, willing to risk all for God's purposes. God increases the spiritual senses to the levels we never knew, and those around us will observe this. Do you want to see what others cannot see? If so, it will require a level of obedience that will go beyond human reason. It may require risk and ridicule from others, but you will see what others cannot see. Our mission is to become fishers of men. Do you want to see what others cannot see, Jeremy? Do you want to do what I've called you to do? There's three things God spoke to me at that 3.30 a.m. moment. Number one, he says, you need to repent. You need to repent because your motives and your heart, I know you love me. I know you, you desire to be obedient in your calling to me. I've made that for you. Yet my heart and my motives had gotten slightly off to what was most important. And that was to be on mission. My job as not just a pastor, but as a person, as a man of God, was to simply be passionate and focused on bringing people to Jesus. Nothing else matters. God says, you have missed it, Lee. Your motives, your heart, they're slightly off. Repent. Turn your heart to me, and let's reignite your passion for the lost, for those who are broken, those who are hurting, those who are oppressed, those who are in a dark spot. You have been called to be that minister alongside them. He says, repent. Get focused back on mission. And then the second thing he says is, I want you to, I want you to downsize. I want you to downsize. He says, I want you to sell everything you have. Risk it all. Okay, Lord, try telling my wife that. I go and talk to my wife. Sure enough, God's been speaking the same thing into her life. That's what God does when you hear the voice of the Lord. We go on this next two months looking for new places to live. We're in a nice, we had a nice two-bedroom home, beautiful. We're now, we just moved last week. Literally, I'm in the thick of this. Moved to a little two-bedroom apartment, five, you know, family of five. Got, sold my truck, at a nice Dodge Ram. God says, nothing matters. Nothing matters. Get rid of everything you have so that you can stay focused on the mission. The distractions in your life are taking you away from what is most important. Get rid of everything. So we did. We sold everything. Paid off every bit of debt. Paid off every... Everything that we owed. We are living in a small environment. Let me tell you, we've never had more joy and more excitement in these days. I will say, too, we are under constant attack. It's not going to be easy. I mean, just this morning, there's crazy stuff that happens daily in mine and my wife's lives, from cars breaking down to kids getting sick. We've been, my wife's been sick for two months, real sick. But I will say this. We have never been more focused on mission. We have never been more focused on hearing God's voice. 
on listening to what the Lord had said for us, to be willing to be separated to the gospel, to risk everything for the God that saved my life, who gave me life, who brought me salvation, who restored my brokenness, healed my emotional brokenness, walked with me in my sadness. Why? Why? Because he loves you. Church family, it is time for us to get re-engaged for what matters most. If you want to be honest, if you're hearing the voice of God, let me tell you, here's what God says. Here's what the Word says. He says, follow me so that you can become fishers of men so that you can reach people for my name so they can experience the kingdom of heaven that is at hand there are too many people here in your community in your neighborhood that have no hope that are missing it and all it's going to take is for you to be filled with the power of the holy spirit and to be able to speak with boldness so that others can see what you have been able to see, and yet they can't see it until you become that person to step alongside them like the Holy Spirit is for us, dwelling within us, and to be able to show them the way. Not by all your words and you better turn or you're going to burn. Yes, there's a moment for that at times, but it's about how you follow Christ. But in order for us to follow Christ, we, we, need, to be, we need to be good followers as well. People, we need to be a good example for others to follow, right? This made me think about, I know I've been passionate about what's going on. Let me change it a bit. Those who don't know about me, I love hip-hop. Yeah, white guy, I get it, all right? I love hip-hop. I love Lecrae. There's some awesome Christian hip-hop out there. I grew up in a neighborhood with that, and that's just me. And I listen to it all the time in my car, all the time. My kids know all the, all the rap and, and, and so forth. And uh, the other day, it was really cool. Uh, um, I was sitting in my car, and I put on some Lecrae, and we were just, we were just kicking back. And all of a sudden, I, I'm playing it. And, and, and take a look at the screens and turn up the volume. If we could uh, hit that video, this is what took place. Make sure the volume is up before you hit play. Watch, watch my daughter. Hold on. Give it a second. Oh, rhythm. She likes rap too. You know, I'll sit in my car and there's moments like that will happen. We understand. People want to follow something that is impactful. People want to follow someone whose life has a purpose and a focus. My son, I'm, sometimes I'll just listen to worship and I'll sit in my car and I'll raise my hand. And then I was just doing it the other day and I was just like, Lord, I don't care who's watching me. I don't care what people think. God, it's about me and you. And I'm worshiping and all of a sudden I take a peek and my hands are up in the car and I'm driving. My eyes are open. Um, and, uh, and then all of a sudden I look in the rear view mirror and I see my son Chase. He's five. And this is what he's doing. I just see his hand lifted up and he's and he's just his he doesn't quite know what he's doing he sees his dad doing it he knows it's important to me to give adoration and praise to god and he's seeing me lift my hand and so he just simply lifts his hand to praise the lord doesn't quite get it but i 
bet you, I guarantee you, God honored that. What about you? What about our lives? Are we separated to the gospel? Are we hearing the voice of God? Let me tell you, God is saying it is time for the church, NCF, to rise up and to get refocused with power from on high. If we are not bringing people to this place where there is a place of hope, then we are missing it. If we are not called out and and put ourselves in a place to reach people for Jesus, then we are missing it. NCF, Neighborhood Christian Fellowship, my brothers, my sisters, it is time to rise up. It is time to be separated to the gospel. What does that mean? I can tell you that it means great spiritual warfare and attacks from the enemy to stop you from obedience. It means giving up a lot so that you can accomplish a ton to build the kingdom of God eternally. It means a lot less focus on your needs and a lot more focus on others' needs. It means allowing the Lord full access to your heart so he can work on the hidden stuff so that you can once again hear the voice of God in your life. And then usually when you hear the call of God, it means a time of suffering worthy of the name of Christ is produced. Then suddenly, every ambition, every desire in life, every outlook is completely blotted out and extinguished, extinguished, where only one thing remains, to be separated to the gospel. Nothing else been reading a lot. God has me reading this book. Just finished it. Took my, my small group through it. And in the midst of these last seven months, this is one thing. It's a marriage book that speaks, that barely speaks about marriage, but has had a profound impact on my marriage. But more importantly, my walk with Jesus Christ. I want to read a section, it, and then we're going to close. It'll be on the screen so you can follow along with me. It is one of the most powerful sections I've ever read. In a book, it's, uh, again, and Francis and Lisa Chan wrote this, and it's a book that talks about what we as Christians are called to, and there's eight things. They're on the screen. I'm not going to cover them. If you want them, you can get them later from Dave on the PowerPoint. Email them. He'll send them to you. But I'm just going to, number four on this about what we are called to as Christians, he says, you were created for mission. You were created for mission. Is it on the screen? It says, God made you for a reason a toaster, a stop, or an aircraft carrier. You were designed a specific way for a specific purpose. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God set this course for you beforehand. God told you the, the, yeah, that this course was set even before he was born. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew Before you were born, I consecrated you and appointed you as a prophet of the nations. You are different than everyone else on earth for a reason. You have a supernatural gift to offer the church. To say that you are useless or ungifted is to say that God has failed. Each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he. I used to think that I was being humble by making statements like, I'm not very gifted. I'm just an average guy who isn't great at anything. A deeper study of Scripture convinced me that this wasn't a humility but a lack of faith. The Holy Spirit of God is empowering you. Why? Because he's 
living through me, and the Spirit of God is empowering me, shouldn't I be powerful? Don't let the enemy tell you anything. You are a follower of Christ. You are filled with the divine power. The Spirit of God unleashes his power when you use your gift for the good of the church body. Worship team can come up at this time. I'm usually so joyful when I get done teaching. There's a unique communion I experience with the Holy Spirit when I am using my gift, listen, to build up the church. It's the reason for my existence. We have all gone through periods of life when we've we've thought, this can't be all there is. You feel trapped in meaningless routine and everything you know you were created for more. Everything in you knows you were created for more. Life might be fun and relationships might be good, but you know something deeper is missing. You sense that you were created for more. You want to experience a deeper communion with God where the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit is flowing through you undeniably. You want to touch God rather than merely talk about Him. You long for knowledge of God that goes beyond your intellect. The kind of deep knowledge that only comes from experience. This happens only when you are on flow through you to others as you seek to bring them into his kingdom. There is nothing like it, and there's no other way to get it. You were created for more. I'm going to hold off right there. You were created for more. You are who God has made you. Don't think you need to be anything different because you have what it takes, the power of God in you to be on mission. Listen, I don't care how young or old we are in this room. If we are not bringing people to Jesus, then we are not doing what we are called to do. No more excuses about where you're at in stage of life, where you're at in vocation. Because if we're going to follow Christ, there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon hundreds of thousands of people who, don't, who are not saved. And you will not see eternally in heaven. And there's an opportunity for us to make an impact in the kingdom of God. To see people's lives changed forever. To be free from the bondage of sin and death. To experience joy that only comes in obedience through the power of His Holy Spirit. You, you, God has called. Will you answer the call. To answer the call, you got to be able to hear his voice. Do you hear the call of God on you today? What are you going to do about it? There's two questions God keeps bringing, and then we're going to close and end with a worship song. Two questions God keeps pressing upon my heart that keeps, keeps me focused on mission right now. Listen, I'm, I'm telling you right now, in a few months, I've, I've voluntarily left my position as an executive pastor. In two months, I don't have pay. I don't have a job. I just know what God has called me to do. I'm trusting the Lord. I am risking it all. I'm putting my family at jeopardy in my eyes. And God says, you're not doing a thing. You're just being obedient to what I've called you to. And I, if you seek first the kingdom of God, and I will do what? Add these things. If you're doing what I have called you to do, then I will provide for you. I will protect you. I love you. You're my child. You're my daughter. You're my son. If you're not, risk it all for the sake of being obedient. Because you hear my voice, 
Do you hear his voice today? He's speaking loud. Will you listen? And so two questions. He keeps asking me, he says, number one, he says, Jeremy, who are you? Answer that question, Jeremy, who are you? And number two, he keeps saying, and then what breaks your heart? Wow. Who are you? And what breaks your heart? If you can ask the answer to those questions, you will begin to hear God's voice. What breaks my heart is teenagers who are raised and, and then all of a sudden they graduate high school and they no longer want to be a part of church. What breaks my heart is those who are in slavery. What breaks my heart is those who are, of us who are stuck in addictions. What breaks my heart is those who don't know Christ because I've not opened my mouth to share with them. Who are you, Jeremy? And what breaks your heart? Church family, who are you? And what breaks your heart? And answer those questions. You'll get on mission. You'll get on mission. Let's stand. I want to celebrate and ask God to arise our souls. I want this moment. I know it's been passionate. I know it's been heavy. I want to take a moment. Can we just celebrate what God's doing in our lives in this church? What he wants to do through this church? What he wants to do through you? Let's arise our souls. And listen, let's sing. No whispers. Let's sing. And let God hear a heart that is transformed. Let's start that course. Who way, who 